0: Psalm 36 of the Treasury of David. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Treasury of David, Volume 2 by Charles Spurgeon. Psalm 36. Title To the Chief Musician. He who had the leadership of the Temple service was charged with the use of this song in public worship. What is everybody's business is never done. It was well to have one person specially to attend to the service of song in the house of the Lord. Of David the servant of the Lord. This would seem to indicate that the psalm particularly befits one who esteems it an honor to be called Jehovah's servant. It is the song of happy service, such a one as all may join in who bear the easy yoke of Jesus. The wicked are contrasted with the righteous, and the great Lord of devout men is heartily extolled. Thus obedience to so good a master is indirectly insisted on, and rebellion against him is plainly condemned. Divisions From one to four David describes the rebellious. In five to nine he extols the various attributes of the Lord. In ten and eleven he addresses the Lord in prayer, and in the last verse, his faith sees in vision the overthrow of all the workers of iniquity. Exposition Verses 1-4 through 4. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. HE DEVISETH MISCHIEF UPON HIS BED, HE SETTETH HIMSELF IN A WAY THAT IS NOT GOOD, HE ABHORRETH NOT EVIL. One, THE TRANSGRESSION OF THE WICKED. HIS DARING AND WANTON SIN, HIS BREAKING THE BOUNDS OF LAW AND JUSTICE. SAITH WITHIN MY HEART THAT THERE IS NO FEAR OF GOD BEFORE HIS EYES. MEN'S SINS HAVE A VOICE TO GODLY EARS. THEY ARE THE OUTER INDEX OF AN INNER EVIL it is clear that men who dare to sin constantly and presumptuously cannot respect the great judge of all despite the professions of unrighteous men when we see their unhallowed actions our heart is driven to the conclusion that they have no religion whatever unholiness is clear evidence of ungodliness wickedness is the fruit of an atheistic root this may be made clear to the candid head by cogent reasoning, but it is clear already and intuitively to the pious heart. If God be everywhere and I fear him, how can I dare to break his laws in his very presence? He must be a desperate traitor who will rebel in the monarch's own halls. Whatever theoretical opinions bad men may avow, they can only be classed with atheists, since they are such practically those eyes which have no fear of God before them now shall have the terrors of hell before them forever. 2. 4. Here is the argument to prove the proposition laid down in the former verse. David here runs over the process of reasoning by which he had become convinced that wicked men have no proper idea of God or respect for him. God-fearing men see their sins and bewail them, where the reverse is the case, we may be sure that there is no fear of God. He flattereth himself in his own eyes. He counts himself a fine fellow, worthy of great respect. He quiets his conscience, and so deceives his own judgment as to reckon himself a pattern of excellence. If not for morality, yet for having sense enough not to be enslaved by rules which are bonds to others he is the free thinker the man of strong mind the hater of Kant, the philosopher and the servants of god are in his esteem mean spirited and narrow-minded of all flatteries this is the most absurd and dangerous even the silliest bird will not set traps for itself the most pettifogging attorney will not cheat himself to smooth over one's own conduct to one's conscience which is the meaning of the hebrew is to smooth one's own path to hell. The descent to eternal ruin is easy enough without making a glissade of it as self-flatterers do, until his iniquity be found to be hateful. At length he is found out and detested, despite his self-conceit. Rottenness smells, sooner or later, too strong to be concealed. There is a time when the leprosy cannot be hidden, at last the old house can no longer be propped up and falls about the tenant's ears, so there is a limit to a man's self-gratulation. He is found out amid general scorn, and can no longer keep up the farce which he played so well. If this happen not in this life, the hand of death will let light in upon the coveted character, and expose the sinner to shame and contempt. The self-flattering process plainly proves the atheism of sinners, since the bare reflection that God sees them would render such self-flatteries extremely difficult, if not impossible. Belief in God, like light, reveals, and then our sin and evil are perceived. But wicked men are in the dark, for they cannot see what is so clearly within them and around them that it stares them in the face. 3 the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit this pair of hell dogs generally hunt together and what one does not catch the other will if iniquity cannot win by oppression deceit will gain by chicanery when the heart is so corrupt as to flatter itself the tongue follows suit the open sepulchre of the throat reveals the foulness of the inner nature god-fearing men make a conscience of their words and if they sin through infirmity, they do not invent excuses, or go about to boast of their wickedness. But because wicked men think little of evil and artful speeches, we may be clear that God rules not in their souls. The original, by declaring that the words of the wicked are falsehood and deceit, is peculiarly strong, as if they were not only false in quality, but actual falseness itself." he hath left off to be wise and to do good. From the good way he has altogether gone aside. Men who fear God proceed from strength to strength in the right path, but godless men soon forsake what little good they once knew. How could men apostatize if they had respect unto the supreme judge? is it not because they grow more and more forgetful of god that in due season they relinquish even that hypocritical reverence of him which in former days they maintained in order to flatter their souls four he deviseth mischief upon his bed his place of rest becomes the place for plotting; his bed is a hotbed for poisonous weeds god-fearing men meditate upon god in his service but when men turn all their thoughts and inventive faculties towards evil, their godlessness is proved to be a demonstration. He hath the devil for his bedfellow who lies abed and schemes how to sin. God is far from him. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. When he gets up, he resolutely and persistently pursues the mischief which he planned. THE WORST OF WAYS HE PREFERS FOR HIS WALKING, FOR HE HAS TAUGHT HIS HEART TO LOVE FILTHINESS, HAVING ACCUSTOMED HIMSELF TO REVEL IN IT IN IMAGINATION. HE ABHORRETH NOT EVIL. SO FAR FROM HAVING A CONTEMPT AND ABHORRENCE FOR EVIL, HE EVEN REJOICES IN IT AND PATRONIZES IT. HE NEVER HATES A WRONG THING, BECAUSE IT IS WRONG, BUT HE MEDITATES ON IT, DEFENDS IT, AND PRACTICES IT. What a portrait of a graceless man these few verses afford us! His jauntiness of conscience, his licentiousness of speech, his intentness upon wrongdoing, his deliberate and continued preference of iniquity, and withal his atheistical heart are all photographed to the life. Lord, save us from being such! Verses 5-9 through nine. Thy mercy, O Lord, is the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving-kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light shall we see light. From the baseness of the wicked the psalmist turns his contemplation to the glory of God. Contrasts are impressive. 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens like the ethereal blue it encompasses the whole earth smiling upon universal nature acting as a canopy for all the creatures of earth surmounting the loftiest peaks of human provocations and rising high above the mists of mortal transgression clear sky is evermore above and mercy calmly smiles above the din and smoke of this poor world darkness and clouds are but of earth's lower atmosphere the heavens are ever more serene, and bright with innumerable stars. Divine mercy abides in its vastness of expanse, and matchless patience, all unaltered by the rebellions of man. When we can measure the heavens, then shall we bound the mercy of the Lord. Towards his own servants especially, in the salvation of the Lord Jesus, he has displayed grace higher than the heaven of heavens, and wider than the universe. O, oh, that the atheist could but see this! How earnestly would he long to become a servant of Jehovah! Thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Far, far above all comprehension is the truth and faithfulness of God. He never fails, nor forgets, nor falters, nor forfeits his word. Afflictions are like clouds, but the divine truthfulness is all around them. WHILE WE ARE UNDER THE CLOUD, WE ARE IN THE REGION OF GOD'S FAITHFULNESS. WHEN WE MOUNT ABOVE IT, WE SHALL NOT NEED SUCH AN ASSURANCE. TO EVERY WORD OF THREAT OR PROMISE, PROPHECY OR COVENANT, THE LORD HAS EXACTLY ADHERED, FOR HE IS NOT A MAN THAT HE SHOULD LIE, NOR THE SON OF MAN THAT HE SHOULD REPENT. 6. THY RIGHTEOUSNESS IS LIKE THE GREAT MOUNTAINS. FIRM AND UNMOVED, LOFTY AND SUBLIME, as winds and hurricanes shake not an alp, so the righteousness of God is never in any degree affected by circumstances. He is always just. Who can bribe the judge of all the earth, or who can, by threatening, compel him to pervert judgment? Not even to save his elect would the Lord suffer his righteousness to be set aside." No awe inspired by mountain scenery can equal that which fills the soul when it beholds the Son of God slain as a victim to vindicate the justice of the inflexible lawgiver. Right across the path of every unholy man who dreams of heaven stand the towering Andes of divine righteousness, which no unregenerate sinner can ever climb. Among great mountains lie slumbering avalanches, and there the young lightnings try their callow wings, until the storm rushes down amain from the awful peaks. So against the great day of the Lord's wrath, the Lord has laid up in the mountains of His righteousness dreadful ammunition of war, with which to overwhelm His adversaries. Thy judgments are a great deep. God's dealings with men are not to be fathomed by every boaster who demands to see a why for every wherefore. The Lord is not to be questioned by us as to why this and why that. He has reasons, but he does not choose to submit them to our foolish consideration. Far and wide, terrible and irresistible like the ocean, are the providential dispensations of God. At one time they appear as peaceful as the unrippled sea of glass, at another tossed with tempest and whirlwind, but evermore most glorious and full of mystery. Who shall discover the springs of the sea? He who shall do this may hope to comprehend the providence of the eternal. Undiscovered sea, into thy dark unknown mysterious caves, and secret haunts unfathomably deep, beneath all visible retired, none went, and came again to tell the wonders there. Yet as the deep mirrors the sky, so the mercy of the Lord is to be seen reflected in all the arrangements of His government on earth, and over the profound depth the covenant rainbow casts its arch of comfort, for the Lord is faithful in all that He doeth. O Lord, Thou preservest man and beast! All the myriads of creatures, rational and irrational, are fed by Jehovah's hand, the countless beasts, the innumerable birds, the inconceivable abundance of fishes, the all but infinite armies of insects, all owe their continuance in life to the unceasing outgoings of the divine power. What a view of God this presents to us! What a debased creature must he be who sees no trace of such a God and feels no awe of him! Seven, How excellent is thy loving-kindness, O God! Here we enter into the holy of holies. Benevolence and mercy and justice are everywhere, but the excellence of that mercy only those have known whose faith has lifted the veil and passed into the brighter presence of the Lord. These behold the excellency of the Lord's mercy. The word translated excellent may be rendered precious. No gem or pearl can ever equal in value a sense of the Lord's love. This is such a brilliant as angels wear. King's regalia are a beggarly collection of worthless pebbles when compared with the tender mercy of Jehovah. David could not estimate it, and therefore, after putting a note of admiration, he left our hearts and imagination, and better still, our experience, to fill up the rest. He writes, How excellent, because he cannot tell us the half of it. THEREFORE THE CHILDREN OF MEN PUT THEIR TRUST UNDER THE SHADOW OF THY WINGS. THE BEST OF REASONS FOR THE BEST OF COURSES. THE FIGURE IS VERY BEAUTIFUL. THE LORD OVERSHADOWS HIS PEOPLE AS A HEN PROTECTS HER BROOD, OR AS AN EAGLE COVERS ITS YOUNG. AND WE AS THE LITTLE ONES RUN UNDER THE BLESSED SHELTER AND FEEL AT REST. TO COWER DOWN UNDER THE WINGS OF GOD IS SO SWEET. Although the enemy be far too strong for us, we have no fear, for we nestle under the Lord's wing. Oh, that more of Adam's race knew the excellency of the heavenly shelter! It made Jesus weep to see how they refused it. Our tears may well lament the same evil. 8. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house those who learn to put their trust in god shall be received into his house and shall share in the provision laid up therein the dwelling-place of the lord is not confined to any place and hence reside where we may we may regard our dwelling if we be believers as one room in the lord's great house and we shall both in providence and grace find a soul-contenting store supplied to us as the result of living by faith in nearness to the Lord. If we regard the assembly of the saints as being peculiarly the house of God, believers shall indeed find in sacred worship the richest spiritual food. Happy is the soul that can drink in the sumptuous dainties of the gospel. Nothing can so completely fill the soul. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. As they have the fruits of Eden to feed on, so shall they have the river of paradise to drink from. God's everlasting love bears to us a constant and ample comfort, of which grace makes us to drink by faith, and then our pleasure is of the richest kind. The Lord not only brings us to this river, but makes us drink. Herein we see the condescension of divine love. Heaven will, in the fullest sense, fulfill these words." but they who trust in the Lord enjoy the antipast even here. The happiness given to the faithful is that of God Himself, purified spirits joy with the same joy as the Lord Himself. That my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. 9. For with thee is the fountain of life. This verse is made of simple words, but like the first chapter of John's Gospel, it is very deep from the lord as from an independent self-sufficient spring all creature life proceeds by him it is sustained through him alone can it be perfected life is in the creature but the fountain of it is only in the creator of spiritual life this is true in the most emphatic sense it is the spirit that quickeneth and we are dead and our life is hid with christ in god in thy light shall we see light. Light is the glory of life. Life in the dark is misery, and rather death than life. The Lord alone can give natural intellectual and spiritual life. He alone can make life bright and lustrous. In spiritual things, the knowledge of God sheds a light on all other subjects. We need no candle to see the sun, we see it by its own radiance, and then we see everything else by the same luster. We never see Jesus by the light of self, but self in the light of Jesus. No inward intelligence of ours leads us to receive the Spirit's light, but the rather it often helps to quench the sacred beam, purely and only by his own illumination the holy ghost lights up the dark recesses of our hearts ungodliness. vain are they who look to learning and human wit one ray from the throne of god is better than the noonday splendor of created wisdom lord give me the sun and let those who will delight in the wax candles of superstition and the phosphorescence of corrupt philosophy Faith derives both light and life from God, and hence she neither dies nor darkens. Verses 10 and 11. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. 10. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee. We ask no more than a continuance of the past mercy. Lord, extend this grace of thine to all the days of all who have been taught to know thy faithful love, thy tenderness, thine immutability and omnipotence. As they have been taught of the Lord to know the Lord, so go on to instruct them and perfect them. This prayer is the heart of the believer asking precisely that which the heart of his God is prepared to grant. IT IS WELL WHEN THE PETITION IS BUT THE REFLECTION OF THE PROMISE. AND THY RIGHTEOUSNESS TO THE UPRIGHT IN HEART. AS THOU HAST NEVER FAILED THE RIGHTEOUS, SO ABIDE THOU IN THE SAME MANNER, THEIR DEFENDER AND AVENGER. THE WORST THING TO BE FEARED BY THE MAN OF GOD IS TO BE FORSAKEN OF HEAVEN, HENCE THIS PRAYER. BUT THE FEAR IS GROUNDLESS, HENCE THE PEACE WHICH FAITH BRINGS TO US. Learn from this verse that although a continuance of mercy is guaranteed in the covenant, we are yet to make it a matter of prayer, for this good thing will the Lord be inquired of. 11. Let not the foot of pride come against me. The general prayer is here turned into a particular and personal one for himself. Pride is the devil's sin, Good men may well be afraid of proud men, for the serpent's seed will never cease to bite the heel of the godly. Fain would proud scoffers spurn the saints or trample them under foot. Against their malice prayer lifts up her voice. No foot shall come upon us, no hand shall prevail against us, while Jehovah is on our side. Let not the hand of the wicked remove me. Suffer me not to be driven about as a fugitive, nor torn from my place like an uprooted tree. Violence with both hand and foot, with means fair and means foul, strove to overthrow the psalmist, but he resorts to his great patron, and sings a song of triumph in anticipation of the defeat of his foes. Verse 12. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down, and shall not be able to rise. 12. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. Faith sees them scattered on the plain. There, before our very eyes, sin, death, and hell, lie prostrate. Behold the vanquished foes! They are cast down. Providence and grace have dashed them from their vantage ground. Jesus has already thrown all the foes of his people upon their faces, and in due time all sinners shall find it so, and shall not be able to rise. The defeat of the ungodly and of the powers of evil is final, total, irretrievable. Glory be to God, however high the powers of darkness may carry it at this present, the time hastens on when God shall defend the right and give to evil such a fall as shall forever crush the hopes of hell. While those who trust in the Lord shall eternally praise Him, and rejoice in His holy name. End of Psalm thirty six.